I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 67 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capresque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is John Parker of the Bat Minute. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> I've got to speak like <laughs> Batman for the whole time now. Uh, okay, I thought, I thought you were trying to do like a, an evil uh, Potter voice, you know, oh, making oh, the Potter. I, I was thinking maybe like Potter sounded like the Emperor or something like that. I thought that's what we were trying to do here. Oh, my God, that would be great. Can someone do a listener to the show? Please do like a mock up of Potter as the Emperor, please. Get him in the robe and everything and lightning coming out of his hands. That'd be great. <laughs> Who knows? That might, might work. It, it, it would, work. right? It would. Yeah, I think so. I don't think uh, Ian, Ian McDermott would, would do as good of a job here as uh, Lionel Barrymore does, but uh, nobody can. I mean, come on. this is He is one of the best villains in movies. I mean, again, we're, let's not talk about sci-fi and stuff like that, but he's I guess he's the best real-life type of, of villain. I, uh, yeah, one I of can them. see that. Because you, know, you instantly uh, hate him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's not like Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber is a great villain, but you don't hate him. He's a great villain because you love him. But this is a, a villain you that you like want to hate. Yeah. That's right. But so. this guy, immediately, without him even speaking, you can see on his face, like, oh, he's, he's bad. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, which shows how great of an actor Lionel Barrymore really was. Because, uh, I mean, I know that you mentioned yesterday you haven't seen any other Frank Capra movies. But so he's in some other Frank Capra movies. And... You know, he in, for instance, uh, you can't take it with you. He plays a happy-go-lucky guy. I mean, it's completely really? 180 degree turn from from this one. Yes, oh, I I do like it when um, when filmmakers use like a core cast. I always like it when they bring people back again and again. It feels more like um like a theater company that way. But are you saying that only when the characters are when when they play different types of characters or when they play the same type of character over and over? I'm happy either way. I just like to see like people as a team, you know, so bring them back and do different roles, you know, do whatever you want with them. But just have have your core people you like working with, sprinkle in some new people because it, it feels more old fashioned to me in a good way. You know, like um, again, like a, a theater production. You, you see a theater troupe, it's often the yeah. same people, but they'll be doing, you know, different plays. Right. No, I agree with you on that. I mean, Christopher Nolan does that really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and again, if you go back here, so you have Frank, Frank Capra did it well, Howard Hawks did it well. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of the, the old-time directors that, that would do that also. The, uh, to me, I don't like the way that Martin Scorsese does it, though. Ah, uh, okay, okay. There's a difference. Uh... Because cause he, in some ways, uses pretty much the same actors in different types of, of uh, 
you know, in different movies where they're playing more or less the same type of character. Yeah, I, I do. I do like him, but his movies. No, I, I'm not saying I don't like his movies. I love his movies, but I'm saying when when you look at some of the characters, it's hard to differentiate. Like, you know, I, I recently just just saw, you know, his his latest movie, the the Killers of <clears throat> Flower Moon, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the the. the... Someone, yeah, I haven't seen it yet because it's apparently really long, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm I was old. very <laughs> shocked that it was so long. The kill, okay, it's called the kill, the Killers of the Flower Moon. So yeah, I I was very shocked that it's three hours and forty minutes. So just like it, it really, it really hit. I, I wasn't even prepared for for to go into a movie that long. No, and which I'm you know, I'm okay with a movie that long, but at home I need to be prepared. No, I yeah. need to be prepared. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> I don't mind long movies. I, you know, for me, the Lord of the Rings, you can only watch the extended version. You know, the others don't mean anything. You know, so oh, it's fine. I hundred percent agree. Yeah, it's fine watching. You know, a, a almost five hour version of of you know Return of the King. That that's okay. You know, I I enjoy that. It's fun. It's great. Uh, but if you don't know that that's what you're going into, that's where the problem <laughs> arises. But, You've but, got to mentally, and and again, I prefer, even though it's a big spectacle movie, that I do prefer watching it at home because I can pause, you know, I can go to the bathroom, I can get snacks, I, I can enjoy it more than sitting there three hours in, desperately needing <laughs> to relieve right. myself and struggling. That's right. Back back to what we were talking about yesterday with the Return of the Jedi. I still remember to this day, and what is it? It's been now forty years since Return of the Jedi came out. Forty and a half years. Okay, so approximately 40 years ago, one of the times I went, I had drunk so much beforehand, I missed half the movie because I ran to the bathroom like seven times in the middle of the oh, movie. Uh, because, oh, but I mean, I had seen it so many, I had seen it before, so I didn't, wasn't missing anything from that perspective. But but I still remember, you know, I went with a friend of mine named named uh, John Prostack. I remember we went to go see it. It was I used to be able to to know who I saw all 17 times with. You know, like I said, oh, I went to the first time with this one, second time with that one. And like I, I had a list even at the time of when I saw it and with who it's, it's been lost you know, over the decades. But I remember distinctly which friend I went to where I had to run out and go to the bathroom so many times in the middle <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, I was a nine year old. What do you expect? You know, I didn't I well, couldn't hold it in, you know, but well, whatever. <laughs> as I age, I'm accepting my limitations now. I another thing all movies should do. Right. All movies, unless they're like 90 minutes intermission right i know why they don't do it because they think well we can cram more movies in if there's no intermission but you know what i think it's a win-win for everybody it's a win for me because i get to you know go to the bathroom i get to go and buy more drinks and snacks so it's a win for them they're making more money that way because the the drinks and snacks cost a fortune (laughs) right that's true so i think it would pay off i think it would benefit them if they put in intermissions again i i agree i mean i live in a country that has always had intermissions up until just a few years ago where there were always intermissions. The problem was, is they would always have the intermissions at the, the, the most terrible time. You know, (laughs) it it wasn't at the end of a scene. It was in the middle of a scene, you know? No. And the, the last, and I remember they, they, they did away with, with having intermissions here. And then when Avengers Endgame came out, I believe, I'm pretty sure it was Endgame. That was the first time that they actually had, intermission and i remember the line to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> well it's a long time to be sitting somewhere yes. especially as you get older you know i, I i've got to i've got to go a lot more than maybe i used to that, okay that's true 
That, that is definitely true. <laughs> so minute 67 begins with the rent collector making an analogy and ends with Sam having to leave. So we, we ended things yesterday with uh, the conversation between Potter and this rent collector. And one of the things I neglected to talk about yesterday was the fact that the, the, the rent collector mentions something very important. You know, he, he talks about the fact that 15 years ago, a half dozen houses stuck up here and there, right? So this, given just thinking of the visual of this, says so much about what's going on in this movie. Again, oh, yeah. so 15 years ago, it means that George was not in charge of the the building and loan at the time. That was still uh, Peter that was in charge of it. Okay. Yes, it would be. Yeah. So it was Peter who started Bailey Park, which it doesn't sound like, you know, I always assumed that George named Bailey Park, Bailey Park in, in honor of his father. Yes, I would have okay. thought the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But but when he says that 15 years ago there were there were sparse houses here, in you know it, maybe maybe it wasn't called Bailey Park at the time, but it it says that that's where Peter Bailey was 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 sprouting up houses. Okay, but he, they also say that it was sparsely, meaning that Peter wasn't as successful as George is now. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can exactly. read into that just from this dialogue. It's just amazing. And I think maybe like it being sparse as well, maybe in the past, there wasn't like a real concrete plan. It was just like, oh, we'll build some houses when people need some houses. But George has like coalesced it into like a, a community. That's right. He's like, no, no, hang on. If we if we structure this right and we build, you know, uh, we can make this into something. Correct. No, I think it, it, it's just again, the the the, the dialogue here is so descriptive in telling us what things that are going on and they, they, they do that really well. That's the real strength of the movie. I mean, visuals. Yeah. Obviously we said, but dialogue to me, it's the dialogue, the dialogue, the dialogue, except for the hee haw. Cause it does annoy me. That. <laughs> yeah. It's a little annoying. But yeah. No, I think that annoys. It's supposed to be annoying. <laughs> yeah. I think so either. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the, the dialogue is fantastic. And as, as we've said a few times, it just reveals so much about this guy. Like it, I love that he kind of both insults Bailey and praises him. That's right. And infers that, like, look, I'm going to go work for him because I might not necessarily agree with his, you know, his um, politics or whatever, but he's he's going to be doing a better job than you. And he, you know, he, he's going to look after me. That's right. He, he maybe thinks he's a bit of an idiot. Like, he's an idiot for not maximizing his profits like you, Potter. And he's an idiot because he's going to treat me well. So I'm going there. That's right. <laughs> right. But he starts off with, with a great comment. And he says, and are the local yokels making with those David and Goliath wisecracks? Oh, yeah. Okay. Basically, what, he, what he's telling Potter is, is that people are talking. They're saying that George Bailey is, is better at this than you are. You know, yeah. you may be the, the Goliath, but he's the David. You know, this is the whole the, the idea of an underdog. Yeah, yeah, and he's and he's offering them something that they want and they need for a better price than you would ever. He wouldn't offer them anything they actually need. It would just be some piece of junk. But Bailey's offering them something good and it's affordable and he's helping them. That's right. That's right. So and, how do and you top that? That's right. And I mean, Potter himself is a little shocked by says, "Oh, they are, are they?" 
-hmm. And he goes, even though they know the Bailey's never made a dime out of it. So like, again, why would people care if I bought a house and I knew that the person that's that, that, that helped me build this house didn't make any money off of it. I would think more highly of them. Then that's the thing. That's the, that's the way this guy thinks. And that's That's the circles he moves in. He doesn't understand. But why would you do that? Like to his friends, that would be mocked, you know, that's right. And then the, the rent collector says, you know very well why. The Baileys were all chumps. Every one of these homes is worth twice what it cost the building and loan to build. If I were you, Mr. Potter, you are not me. As I said, it's no skin off my nose. But one of these days, this bright young man is going to be asking George Bailey for a job. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Because, yes. again, he's not saying this is definitely the way to do things. Because I think he's acknowledging that, you you know, there's not really any money in doing this, but, you know, you're going to go out of business and, you know, you're not a nice guy. <laughs> you're not. What are you doing for me? That's right. Yeah, no, it, it's just done really well. You know, the whole thing. That's why he's a great character. Do you know what a chump is? I mean, I, know, I, I don't know the origins of it, but I know, you know, you, it's an insult. You, you chump. <laughs> It's a person who is easily tricked or a stupid or foolish person. Hmm. You know, which it's, again, um, you know, the, this rent collector is looking at the phrase from the perspective that, you know, the Baileys are chumps because they could have made a lot more money than they did. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows exactly. this guy isn't as pure as he might sound here. You know, it, it shows that he actually, there's a reason why he's working for Potter. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's he's not a moralistic kind of person. He's a money guy at the end of the day. That's right. But he sees where this is going. He sees the future. Um, and he's like, well, I need to hitch my wagon to this, basically, unless you turn this around right now. Yeah. But it's ironic because if he's a money guy, how, you know, he doesn't think he's going to be able to make money working for, for Bailey. I mean, what kind of money no, is he going to make working for Bailey? At this point, if Bailey is the type of guy who who doesn't know what who, who's not really making money off of things. So why would you know, why would I want to go work for someone like that if I don't think of the moral issues of it? I think it's I think there's a couple of points to it. It's um, number one. I think he may see a future where Potter, he goes out of business. So he can't work for Potter. He's going to have to go somewhere. And the number one guy in town is going to be Bailey, no matter what, at this point. So it's the, you know, that's where I can get employment. Um, The guy who's going to succeed in this war. And also, I I don't know, because I don't really understand how rent collectors worked in this era. But um, would Bailey... What do you mean? Not not, not pay your rent or get out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. But he's collecting that for a company. So yes. I assume he, he is he salaried. So maybe he knows George will give me a good wage. Uh, maybe I, my assumption is, and I did I didn't look this up. But my assumption is is that rent collectors probably made a percentage of what they collected. You get like a cut of it, okay? Yeah. I, I would think that because that's more of an incentive for them to go and you know and you know you think it from the mob perspective. Yeah. You know when when the guy has to go and and collect uh, money from. You know, from everyone who who has to pay up, you know, monthly, if they don't pay up, then they have to then pay the boss the difference. Yeah, true. Maybe it is something like that. So then that would tie into what I said first, then maybe he just accepts like 
George is so successful at this right now. Everybody wants to move to his new place. You're going to go bust. So if I want to keep working, that's where I'm going. Correct. So we'll have to we'll, we'll have to wait and see because that, that doesn't really happen. But <laughs> it would it would have been interesting to see. <laughs> we could do they could do a sequel after all these years where they follow a different timeline. <laughs> That's right. Oh God, no! I shouldn't even put that out there into the ether. Someone's going to make it now. No, please don't, Hollywood. Don't. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it it does sound like a hollow threat. Yeah, <laughs> and does, I love how he says this young man. He's a bright young man. He doesn't look that young. He might be bright. No. But he does not look that, that young. That, that That is a problem I have with older movies, right? Um, everybody, both as human beings, right? they look older than they are. They Correct. look more matured for their age. And they also cast people who are too old for the part. So it's a double sort. So they look even older <laughs> again. Right. But I think maybe in this case, it's because they you know they wanted one guy to play the part throughout right as he gets it you know he goes from one age to the next to the next so i i get it like they didn't want to have different except for when he's a little kid they didn't want to have different actors in there correct yeah no but i mean i we, we've talked about this numerous times uh over this this season you know a lot of the actors you know we, we see that they're they're like in their 50s or early 60s yeah. and they, they look so much older than that yeah, it was a thing back then. People looked older. I don't know why. I don't know what's changed. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, like, I how old is Potter really before. here? He's probably not that old, right? He looks like an old man. Well, well, again, we have to go back and, and look at the, the history of Potter to try to figure this one out. Because, you know, Potter himself was in the, you know, he's he's in the first segment of the movie which takes place in 1919, and he's already there, an older man. And then, you know, we, we see him towards the end of this movie at the end of 1945. So that's a span of 26 years. Yeah. And he was already known as Old Man Potter, you know, in, in 1919. That's true, actually. Yeah, bloody. <laughs> so, you know, the 26-year the difference, let, let's, I mean, even let's go out on a limb and say, okay, at the end of the movie, he's 70. 75. He's 75. Mm. So it means that in the beginning of the movie, he's already 50. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's weird to think about. Yeah. Oh. On the actor as well. Like, he, how old is he? He can't. Well, I Lionel Barrymore. As old as he looks. Okay, Lionel Barrymore was born in 1878. So when this movie Whoa. came out in 1946. Okay, so so he was 68. If I did my math correctly. Okay, you know what? He's a rare one who books the trend then, because I, I think he he looks good for his age. I well, he looks older than sixty-eight. Yeah, but considering what we're saying is everybody looked older back then. I don't think he looks. Normally, when someone's sixty-eight back then, they look about a hundred. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> he doesn't look like awful. He doesn't look like he's about to die. No, not at all. He he looks like he's going to outlive everyone in this movie. Yeah, you get that vibe from him, don't you? The, one of these rich old people who just lingers. That's right. I think it's because he, he made a pact with the devil or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like our royal family here. They live on and on and on. It's like, oh, geez, how, how are you still alive? You know? 
It's a, a very good question. <laughs> I mean, the queen only just died. I, I don't know how she didn't die about 20 years ago. <laughs> it's something in the water. It must be. It's the benefits of being rich. Uh, that is very possible. You can look after yourself and have good doctors and eat the best food. Although if I was rich, I'd eat the most bad for you food I could possibly get my hands on, probably. Yeah, but you'd still have the best doctors taking care of you while you're eating yeah. all the crap. They would That's fix the, the problems that the food causes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I, uh, yeah, that, that it's, it's a uh, chicken and the egg. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and Potter's the same isn't he like I think that's why maybe that's why he's old man Potter everyone's like oh, is he still around god damn it and that, and that's how because he's like well I'm rich especially in America where you've got to pay for all your all your health care you know um, he's like well I can get the best of the best that's true that's true and then Potter basically decides you know he, he finally is fed up with what this rent collector is saying and he goes the Bailey family has been a boil on my neck long enough. <laughs> and then he I like pushes, that. And then he pushes the buttons, uh, and we hear a woman on the intercom, yes, sir, come in here. It, it's interesting to me as well that he, he – this is like his moment to sort of say to the viewer, that's it. It's war. You know, yes, I'm going to take them down. But really, not to spoil things, listeners, how he does eventually – almost take him down fully it, it, it's almost like an accident yes he sort of just accidentally steals money <laughs> you know, it, it's not a grand plan a scheme he comes up with it's like oh no hang on let's just take this <laughs> and he doesn't even realize it at the beginning no <laughs> you know he just said oh i got a free newspaper you know <laughs> <laughs> It's wild to me because, again, any other movie, you would be like, OK, this is where he starts plotting and scheming and coming up with, you know, this dastardly plan to take down Bailey. No, no. He, he basically sits there just sort of thinking, oh, what am I going to do? That's right. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Look what I just found. <laughs> great. Everything's solved. Wonderful. That's right. Wasn't that a great uh, you know, happenstance? <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it's it's great also that they they show us that he calls his secretary into the room, but we never find out what he says to her. No, no. You know, just again, again that it's, it's some evil plan. That that's part of the plan. Yeah, like oh, bring her in because we're gonna. I needed to take notes. No, that's right. No. <laughs> that's right. Unless he May does have a plan, but because of the accidental theft. He doesn't need to do the plan anymore. He's like, oh, no, 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 but the plan, but, the that, but that plan takes place uh, 15 years later. I mean, it's not or 12 years later. It's a, it's a long term plan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we'll see. We'll see towards the end of this week. Uh, you know, his his immediate plan to see what he's trying to do here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the not the best scheme, but, you know, he's trying. He's trying. Yes. Maybe maybe it's to show that he's out of touch now. He's old. You know, he doesn't know how to do this anymore. Things have changed in the business. Mm, possibly. Possibly. And then the, the scene changes and we're, we're back at the uh, at Bailey Park with the uh, martinis. And or at the martini house. And then and Jane's incredible outfit. That's the most important thing. For sure. Look at her. Oh, my God. You know, and I mean, we actually now find out who this is. But, 
I mean, first of all, we, we, we see that uh, Sam says, well, we just stopped in town to take a look at the new factory, and we're going to go drive down, drive on down to Florida. <laughs> which which is pretty pretty funny because, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but if you look at the U.S. geography, to, to yeah. drive from, from upstate New York to Florida, that's a pretty far drive. Yeah, like, I don't know a lot about America, but even I know that, like, that's, that's like a... Um... A real trek. Yeah, and think about it. This is 1933, so you can't even, you know, you can look it up now. Now, if you were to to drive, approximately, uh, let's say it's from Buffalo, because uh, you know that that's as, as the closest big city, I guess you can say, to where they are. Uh, maybe Buffalo, maybe Rochester, but probably Buffalo because the fact that they sing Buffalo Girls, so it's probably closer to that. Okay, it's a 19-hour uh, and 14-minute drive. From upstate New York down to Florida. That is just, that's unheard of to me. See, England's very small. Um, if, You're talking about small. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, live in this I didn't want to speak for you. you know? <laughs> but like, you know, if if there's an event on that's like two hours away from me, I, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to that. That's too far. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't even go to Manchester. I live in Liverpool. Manchester's next door. Sometimes I won't even go there to see a band I like because it's like, ah, I have to get on the train. That's like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I commute to work more than an hour every day each way. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to, to be honest. I did used to. Um, but my new job, it's, it's only in the city center. So it's 20 minutes on a bus. And then three days a week, I get to work from home. Ooh, yeah. fun, fun, fun. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And you get the but, podcast um, while you're working. Um, <laughs> I actually, I have like, I haven't done that yet, but I was tempted to the other day. <laughs> I think I could pull it off because there's some tasks I do that are like super repetitive. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I could do other things while I'm doing it. Yes. You know? right. I understand that. I'm, like my, I'm very familiar. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint. No, but that that is one hell of a drive. I can't even imagine doing that. Like we, um, my band just did some. My band, I'm not the singer, uh, but our band did some gigs in uh, Europe, and it's expensive to fly. So we're not we're not going to do that. We, you don't make money in music anymore. So we we drove from England, and you take the van onto a train, and the train goes under the sea to France, and then you drive from France through the netherlands through belgium you go to germany you know it's like oh, i don't know how our driver survived doing that <laughs> that was one hell of a trip no, well, and, and it still wasn't as long as this i don't think yeah probably not i mean 19 hours is uh is is a lot and again this is 19 hours today so it must have been that, even that's longer true, this car will be slower the car would be slower. The roads wouldn't be as uh, oh, um, yeah. as paved, I guess you can say. They probably didn't have the same interstates and things like that. So, yeah, th that's just crazy. So apparently, you know, Jane and Sam are going to be staying in numerous motels on the way and, and have to find a place for their, their chauffeur to sleep also. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the fun, though. Maybe they are viewing it as like a tour. You know, like I know uh, my dad used to ride motorbikes a lot and, you know, they'd go on long journeys together for days. Mm -hmm. that, that was part of the joy was, you know, seeing places along the way. So maybe that's how they're viewing the trip. Uh, possibly. 
It's very possible. I mean, the, the, the next line already says that. You know, Jane turns to, to Sam and goes, well, why don't you have your friends join us? Yeah, yeah. So I actually find that to be a really strange comment that the way she says it, why don't you have your friends? So she doesn't know them. She's never met them. You know, they, they weren't invited to the wedding. Um, I I do get the from what they say they don't know her do they like this is is this their first time seeing her yeah this is the first time that we see yeah. Jane because the the last time that we saw Sam he was uh, theoretically you know trying to to court uh, Mary even though there was yeah. there was a woman that was in this that was there with him which it's possible that that was Jane uh, I never thought about that yeah I always assumed this was like. They've never like George has never seen this woman. You know? Oh, George has never seen the woman because again, the last time it was Sam was on the phone and we saw the shot in in New York City. Oh, I see what you mean. We saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, we did. Um, it's it's interesting though because I had never thought about this. I thought, okay, yeah, sometimes you don't meet someone until a bit later on, but to not be invited to the wedding, that's uh, that's bold, especially for back then where it was a big deal. Whereas now, you know. I have friends who were like, oh, I'm going to get married. And it's just like a, at the registry office, we call it, you know, where you just go and sign some documents. And like, ah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? But back then it was like a big, 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 big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have to try to remember back if if uh, Sam was at their wedding. Mm. I don't I don't. You would hope so. He's point. a good friend. <laughs> he's, he's a good friend, but I don't remember seeing him there, even though, you know, we we, we saw. Uh, a lot of characters at the wedding. Uh, we, we, there were there were characters that were at the wedding that, that we weren't expecting to be there, and vice versa. You know, can like, we like, maybe can we maybe infer that George not going to this wedding then is because he's you know Sam's become so successful that maybe he doesn't spend a lot of time back here anymore. So maybe maybe they didn't get married here, and George is like, well, I can't get away. Like I haven't got the money to go down south or wherever the hell he's getting married, you know. Right. Now probably in New York because he was uh, talking about the fact that they were in New York City. But maybe for the wedding, or was that for maybe that was like a honeymoon or something? No, it was before they got married. So the, okay, so I, I just rewatched the 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 wedding scene and uh, mm. uh, Sam is not there. You know, so some best friend he is. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, yeah, that's but, that's but strange. Then again, that's then again Mary's brother isn't there either. We we don't see Marty Hatch, so that that already says some strange things also. Yeah, wonder wonder what that from a filmmaking perspective, like why why would you do that? They didn't that want to pay deliberate. the extras on that day. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> it was cheaper. <laughs> you know, the the most of the people that we see at the wedding are 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 not uh, known characters. Very odd. Very odd. I, I, I genuinely think you might be onto something with the money because you if you if you were writing it, you would write it as, well, of course, all his friends are there. No, but we have but we have one other issue here. Also, we can look at it from the perspective that, um, you know, maybe the, they got married very quickly. There wasn't time for anyone to show up. Uh, I mean, not, not because that. I mean, it wasn't a shotgun wedding that we know. Because uh, you know she's 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 not uh, with child at this point, so yeah. you don't have to worry about it from that perspective. But but the idea is is that it is possible that you know when the when when they filmed the the wedding scene, they just said okay, well you know 
No one's going to be, you know, 77 years from now, nobody's going to be doing, looking at this movie, <laughs> you know, the way that, 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 uh, that we're doing it. So no, who cares? <laughs> of course not. What a stupid idea. Who would do that? Yeah, completely. So no one will notice. Everyone will just assume that they were there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it probably is that like, um, yeah. but I do get the vibe that maybe George seems like someone who would probably just say, you know what, let's get married. Let's do it. You know, he's quite impulsive in some way. He wants to be adventurous and impulsive. And like, I could imagine him saying to her, Let, let's get married right now. Let's, let's do it. Why not? We're in love. You know? Okay. That's possible. I mean, we talked a little bit about it a few weeks ago, but, but uh, that, that is a possibility. Yeah. You know, we've no concrete and then it would limit who way. could come. Cause I had a friend who did that. And so I, I had to not go because I, I, there was no way I could get to it. And it, they were like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, and that's, and that's now another day anyway. So. And that's now think about how difficult it might've been to travel back, you know, back in the 1930s. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I was only going to have to travel three hours. <laughs> well, we already know that you're lazy when it comes to travel. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time on the road. I don't want to spend my free time traveling. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Makes sense. And then, and then Sam says something very strange. He goes, "Why, sure, hey, why don't you kids drive down with us, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aren't they the same age? <laughs> That's right. Sam, Sam, and, and George are the exact same age. Mary's a little bit younger, but uh, still. Well, here's something actually. I'd never thought about this. It's only just dawned on me when you said that sentence. Is that maybe uh, yet another clue that? Sam's getting a little bit too big for his boots, a little bit cocky. He's like, well, I'm, it's like infantilizing George a little bit. Like he's calling yes. him a kid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause I he's think not, that's he, part he, of you're it. not doing as well as me. I'll take care of you. That's right. Which, which will, will come out, will come back to uh, at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. <idea>. That's <laughs> interesting to me. Cause I don't think he, I don't think he means it deliberately i don't think he's trying to be belittling no but, but he's being across. a little disparaging you know it's a, yeah. it's a way of, of disparaging to your friend a little bit okay i can i can understand that well a bit like when he you know he mentions it comes up yet again um you know george not taking up the job offer to work in plastics right um which i also saw as yet another example of this movie slowly subtly making george sort of question everything I think this yes. is this is starting the journey towards what we see of the the suicide attempt. Yes, you know, but that's only twelve years later. Think about that. I, it's a slow <laughs> burn. It it start the seeds are being planted. These these thoughts in his head, you know, because we know he's right. He's fighting the good fight, you know. But to him, that's like more evidence that you know everyone's succeeding without him. He's he's missed his chance. People don't need him. But but apparently people do. Well, we know that. <laughs> having seen the whole movie but you know he he's thinking to himself like what well, in slow subtle bits building and building like what why am i here i'm holding everyone back almost well he's been saying that all his life yeah yeah you know that that's the question that's how these things happen though isn't it? it's not like um not to be too deep but you know like depression and stuff i used to work in mental health that was my old job and um you know that's how a lot of this this occurs it's not one incident that oh now you're depressed it's like slow builds of things you know it sort of right. creeps up 
which which makes sense. Mm. You know, it's it, these things, as you said, they don't they don't happen overnight. Yeah, too many movies have like one thing. Oh, they snap, and like, now they're depressed. Now they're going to try and kill themselves. Like, nah, that's this is more realistic to me, more believable. Right. I definitely agree with you on that one. And basically, um, I mean, the conversation gets a little stranger also between them because then, you know, he responds to Sam and says, oh, I'm afraid I couldn't get away, Sam. Mm. You know, which which sounds sort of just like an excuse. Uh, absolutely. I, I do think it probably would be hard for him to get away, but that's not what he's saying. He, he doesn't want to go because I right. think he would feel again, it would make him feel bad. It's like it would remind him of the, the the possible mistake that he made. Exactly right. I think that's why he doesn't like seeing him, even though he's his friend. Right. It, it's just a reminder of right. Okay. He, he feels he's failed a little bit. So imagine hanging out with him that's for right. nineteen hours on the road, and then when they get there as well, like oh jeez. Yeah, and then forget about that. Nineteen hours back also. Oh yeah, yeah that's a good point. Those are, and then those I, are the worst, uh, you know, travel uh, travel plans when when you go somewhere with somebody and you have a terrible time, and then you say to yourself, "Oh my god, I have to go back with them too." Oh no, that would be the worst. Yeah, and and I think he feels bad, even though he shouldn't, on behalf of his wife. Right. That's right. You know, he feels like less of a man almost. Like Correct. I'm supposed to look after you like he's looking after her, you know, and, and you see how well she's dressed in comparison. Even though I think both styles are amazing. But, you know, in the in the language of the film, it's like, oh, look how luxurious her her accessories are and all. <laughs> Correct. And then, I mean, the, the and then Sam says to him, well, still got the nose to the old grindstone, eh? Then he turns to his wife and goes, Jane, I offered to let George in on the ground floor in plastics and he turned me down cold. Uh, this is it. So, yeah. So wait a second. He didn't. T- Jane doesn't know this yet. <laughs> what type of marriage yeah, I, is this? You know, we're going to go visit my friends, but I'm not going to tell you anything about him. And by the way, this is a guy that I wanted to to help get rich also, and he didn't want it. <laughs> well, this is the old days where to be a married couple, you didn't actually have to communicate or have anything in common with each other. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> you weren't best friends then. It was more an arrangement. <laughs> yeah, more or less. I mean, then again, you look at her. Her, her outfit, you know, she's she seems to be there because of the extravagant lifestyle. Uh, I, yeah, mean, I mean, it's a very superficial way to look at it, uh, you know, but that, we don't know anything about her. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, uh, the actress. I'm sure she probably does love him, but at the same time, we have to take it on surface level, you know. Correct. I mean, the actress who plays Jane is an actress named Marion Carr, who was born in 1925 and passed away in 2003 at the age of 78. Oh. So when this movie came out, she was 20, 21. See, you this know. is what I mean. And I don't mean this as an insult to her at all. That woman does not look 21. She looks younger or older? Older. I think it's the style. It's the mannerisms that everyone was more. I guess you had to mature quicker. And again, that's not an insult. She looks amazing. But. To me, a 21, as a someone who's about to hit 40, a 21-year-old now, they look like a child. Right. <laughs> this woman does not look like a child. But is it because of, of, of her outfit? Because of all the, the jewels and the, the, the fur and all that it's stuff? It's part of it. It's definitely part of it. I think it's just as well, yeah, it's the way people back then had to be, had to, they, the way they held themselves, you know? It's, it's very different. They're, they're much more adult much more mature at an earlier age. Yeah. I think you had again. You had to be. There was no other way 
you know, you you didn't get to have your childish, uh, you know, uh, hobbies and things anymore. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. She actually doesn't have very many uh, entries in IMDb. She was only in 31 movies, hmm. which uh, for, for most of the people in this movie, that's nothing. I mean, we had people that had over 300 uh, yeah, uh, yeah. IMDb uh, credits, you know. So 31 is to churn them out back then. Just yeah, get it, get it, you'd come off set and go to the next one. <laughs> That's right. Or, or you'd be working uh, the same, same time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then basically the, you know, George turns him and goes, Oh, don't, don't rub it in. And he goes, I'm not rubbing it in. And then I Sam see. turns to Jane and goes, well, I guess we better run along. <laughs> Meaning, okay, I've had enough here. <laughs> yeah. Again, like he, I'm sure he's not rubbing it in, but of course it's gonna seem that way to George. Like this, Sam needs to know when to just cool it a bit, you know? Right. I mean, it's, it's great like, that know, they, we, they show us. We just by looking at the two couples, you see the very difference between the the levels of their lifestyles. Yes. Yeah. Which, which is funny, you know, going by today's standards, because you know the Baileys there. They look by by modern day, uh, you know, uh, dress and things. They look like they're very rich to me, <laughs> but by you know in this era, that was just common, you know, clothes and things like that. That's right. So, and that that's how this minute ends. Did did you have anything else to say about this minute? Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's everything. Okay. All right. Great. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, uplifting story edition. <laughs> where my guest will uh, give some sort of story, anecdote, adventure, misadventure, something that's happened to them over the course of their life that is somehow, uh, you know, has somehow related to an uplifting story. So, John, you have a story for us? Well, I thought I would, um, I thought I would uh, stretch the concept of the rules slightly, right? Of course. Because I was like, okay, all my stories just sound like I'm uh, rubbing it in, like I'm bragging about what an amazing person I am. Oh, I helped you know rescue this dog that i found I, was like, I don't want to talk about that that makes me sound like a jerk <laughs> so, no the, the idea just so you know the idea is more of, of a situation that you were in that possibly someone else uh inspired you or gave you or led you or uplifted you well that, that kind of ties into what i thought then because i thought well i'll stretch the concept a little bit because i i find something uplifting and inspiring and fascinating connected to this movie but has also happened in my life, sort of. So at the start of the week, I said how my ex's family used to take me every year to watch this. And it's at a place here in Liverpool called the Philharmonic, which they have an orchestra, the Philharmonic Orchestra. I think it might be the oldest in the world, actually, the oldest orchestra. Okay. Um, but they, they show films in there occasionally. It's not like a, a proper film place, but they have a very special cinema screen it's called a walter door cinema screen it's the only one in the world that's left it's very old and it comes out of the it comes out of the stage it comes out of the ground <laughs> but what i found really fascinating about this is uh, and inspiring to me and inspiring to cinema is they introduce this movie with there's an uh, there's an organ player on the stage and he's been there every year doing it. I think he's been doing it for like 35, 40 years, maybe more. Oh, wow. He, he's Yeah, he's. I feel really bad saying this. He's really old. So every year you go, you're like, I hope he's still there playing <laughs> this organ. And he, 
every year I go and he is there. He's still doing it. And he's but he's booked for this year. I looked on the website. And I just I found it so cool that there's someone like this. Because he started looking at his his profile here that he's got. He started in the fifties playing music on um was it the the Wurlitzer and <laughs> things like that. Um so he's been there, he's been playing music that long and he's been doing it at the Liverpool Philharmonic. Yeah, for like 30 years or something. Uh, just someone maintaining this tradition, I found amazing because he doesn't just do it for this. They have silent movie nights and he will play He'll play the music, you know, like because they they often had someone there doing it live and he does it live, just playing the organ and everything. And I just thought this guy is the coolest person like in the world. <laughs> like That is oh, so wow. awesome. Because in this day and age, to have that, like, I, I've never seen it anywhere else, personally. You might get the occasional night where they're like, we're going to show Frankenstein and someone's going to play music along with it. I've seen that. And it's like, that's not the same. This guy goes all in for the legit. It's an old organ. It's not modern. It's like a proper one that's been there for ages and ages with this cinema screen from like the 40s that doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> you know. And it's just the the coolest thing and the best setting to watch something like this. Um, so it, it adds to the, the picture, you know, and you'll come out at the end and um, sometimes do music as well as you're leaving, you know, going to the going to the lobbies. They're playing the organ again. And I just think this guy's immortal. This guy should live longer than Potter. <laughs> <laughs> He's an inspiration to me, I, not to play the organ, because I have no musical talent, despite uh, being part of a group. Uh, <laughs> yeah, aren't you, aren't you in a band? <laughs> uh, yeah, but the organ, the organ is very fancy. Um, I would like to learn to play that kind of thing because I think it does worry me who's going to carry this on when I don't want to be morbid but when he's gone um well they, they want John Parker to show up there maybe they do because I, <laughs> I don't know anyone else who does it along to film and everything it's like you know he, he used to be what one did he do he did um he did um, the music to Alfred Hitchcock. He did a movie in the 20s, The Lodger. Yeah. You could go and see him do that. He was doing the score to the whole thing. And it's like, that's just the best thing in the world. Wow. <laughs> what okay. a legend. The, what a the... hero. I wanted to shout out a local hero. I do have his name. Where is it? Uh, Dave Nicholas. That's what he's called. So Dave Nicholas for the Liverpool Philharmonic Hall. Very Coolest cool. guy in the world inspiration to everyone who likes cinema oh wow very cool all right thank you for so that kind of ties into your thing but yeah. that was my my experience was going to see him you know <laughs> yeah i i think that 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 definitely fits in there that's great thank you very much for that so john you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find you Yes, indeed. Uh, come and find me at the Bat Minute podcast. Um, again, just type these in anywhere. We've got all the, we've got Facebook, Twitter, in, well, no, sorry, X. It's not Twitter anymore. Uh, Facebook X. I Instagram. still refer to it as Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm against dead naming, but I'll dead name your website, Elon Musk. <laughs> it's Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter. Um, so yeah, Bat Minute. Hedvig Inch by Angry Inch, Miami Minutes. And if you want to if you want to check out the band I am a part of, actually, we're called Pete Bentham and the Dinner Ladies. It might not make sense to anyone in any other country, 
it's a very very english um sort of thing think of it it's like a punk rock band doing music about real people real things uh stuff that happens in life you know nice inspiring messages but with the added camp um of like monty python in drag <laughs> so I dress up as a dinner lady. I think in America it'd be a lunch lady. I imagine you mostly have American listeners, so I'll translate for them. <laughs> <laughs> so you can check us out. You might understand. Uh, the Germans seem to love it. They 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 get on. But I think as Germans, their whole impression of English people is just, oh, they're funny, they're silly. You know. <laughs> hey, if it works, why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, which, as we said, is also X. And you can find me on my website, <laughs> movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly did. Life with its sorrow. Life with its tears